Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's only got Anne Rice vampire novels with water stains. It's my sister, Marissa. At least it's not Twilight. I mean, I didn't fill in the rest of it, which is that you cut them all up in order to make pornography. (laughs) Which I think, so I have not read Anne Rice, but my understanding of her work is that you absolutely could use it to form (laughs) pornography. Which, in, in some ways, is kind of like Twilight. No, Twilight is so chaste, it's almost ridiculous. Until the end. Until the... Kind of. And then it's some very, you know... Upsetting. Well, no, I was gonna say, it's very sort of 10,000 foot view of, like, married intimacy. It's, you know... Right. uh, So I have read Twilight. I don't know if anyone has... (laughs) I have not read... Listeners, have not read Ed and Rice. Have I read Twilight. I am finding this out for the first time that <laughs> really my own sister has read Twilight. Yes. Oh yeah, I own the first and fourth ones. They're on my bookshelf. How have I missed this? <laughs> I, I saw. I think I saw. Thirty years. <laughs> I saw. Oh yeah, happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. We can now say to be. We can now say we are sisters in our thirties. Yes. Is that a thing people do? Oh, it's it's basically the hottest thing to say. I've got a sister. I'm a sister. We're both in our th- we're sisters in our thirties. That's mm-hmm. like a it's like it's a like WB a, it's a log show. Line. Yes, it's a log line for a very it's like cute a UPN television show. Sitcom. <laughs> Does UPN exist anymore? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's the CW now. That's right. It merged with WB. That's right. Yeah. So actually, I mean, before we get, well, let me do the housekeeping, and then yeah. I want to talk about a little bit about my birthday trip because there were a few things. That reminded me of The Good Place while I was gone, because uh, I'm still thinking about it, even if I'm not with all of you wonderful listeners and my wonderful sister. And then we can get into the recap. So first, housekeeping, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Uh, if you want, please rate and review us on iTunes. That would be a big help and score you some Good Place points. And you can also follow and like us on Facebook at The Good Play. We have a group. Uh, Twitter at the Good Play Pod. Marissa runs that Twitter account, and it is great. With an iron fist. And um, you can write to us uh, on our Gmail at thegoodplaypod at gmail dot com. Uh, we do have an email. I saw that, uh, yep. so we can get that in a little bit. So yeah, the reason that we this is uh, episode twenty eight, and the reason we did not have an episode last week was because I was in New Orleans, partially for. I'm sorry. A, can you please pronounce it correctly? New Orleans. Thank you. Okay. Partially for a work trip, work related trip, and for a conference, and partially for my thirtieth birthday. Yay! Streamers. I've never been to New Orleans. Emojis. So. Oh, it's uh, fine. It was fabulous. And I loved it, but there were a few things that just I just sort of wanted to uh, talk about a, a little bit on the show. First off, on our way there, I was traveling with a couple of friends, and um, a woman on the plane, I guess she was wearing sandals, and she took her sandals off, so she was barefoot, and she put mm. her bare feet, she like was reclining, and put her bare feet up on the armrest like in front of her to kind of stretch her legs out. And you leaned over to her and said, ma'am, I'm going to roast you on my podcast. I, so I wasn't sitting near her. My friends 
got seats together, they booked earlier than me because they're more responsible than me. So <laughs> I was sitting further in the back. And when we got off the plane, I was like, how's everybody's flight? And they were like, well, there was this woman <laughs> next to us who was real salty. And then she took her sandals off and she put her thing up. And I was just like, oh, God. And then I was like, wait, do you guys watch The Good Place? Because that was actually like a plot point of like what sends people to the bad place. <laughs> putting their taking their shoes and socks off on a commercial airline flight (laughs) um so that was number one uh number two is you know i was thinking about eleanor while i was on my trip because i basically for the entire weekend i was there ate exclusively shrimp practically oh god like only shrimp um feel vaguely sick to my stomach. Well, you don't eat meat, so, you know. As our aunt once said, oh, honey, fish aren't animals. <laughs> I think she said specifically that was crabs. She's trying to get you to eat crab cakes. And Did you're she like, say crabs aren't animals? Yeah, God, it was oh, just... honey, crabs aren't animals. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. That's like in, uh, mm-hmm. in my big fat Greek wedding when he says, I'm a vegetarian. And she says, okay, I make lamb. Yeah. But I ate like a, so I ate like a ton of shrimp and I was with friend of the show and my very good friend Kate and uh, she enjoyed and I also enjoyed a little bit of alcohol while I was there but she enjoyed some alcohol while we were there so I was thinking like oh my goodness Eleanor would love New Orleans and then I was like well not really because everywhere we walked we just heard jazz music all day and night oh that's right so I was like really torn on whether or not Eleanor would like New Orleans because she loves shrimp and she loves booze, but she hates jazz. Wrap it maybe up, she, Elton maybe, John. Maybe famously a piano player. Yes. <laughs> oh, Cheaty, I love you so much. Yes. Um, and the last point I will make before we get to the recap is I think I found my medium place. My mm. personal medium place. Mm, so, mm-hmm. um, so appropriate for this week. Yes, uh, indeed. Because we are talking about Mindy St. Clair, the episode uh, where they go to the medium place. And, uh, but I think I found my medium place, which is the Comfort Inn Airport Hotel near the (laughs) New Orleans airport. Um, and the reason it is my medium place is because listeners, uh, Kate and I got stuck in New Orleans for an extra day because our flight was canceled. And that has uh, never happened to me. It, you and I missed a flight once, but they just got us on the next flight. Yeah, we missed a flight. I, it had never, I have been on, like, some severely delayed flights. I have never had a flight canceled. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kate has, and uh, she is just, like, a very organized, like, she's from the good place. She's like Janet, and she just found us. Would you call her a savvy traveler? She is a very savvy traveler, and um, she is very cool under pressure, and she's a lot more organized than me, and uh, she's basically, like. Not a high bar to clear. (laughs) no that is true and uh she got us she basically was a janet and like apparated us a new flight and it was fine (laughs) um but we had to spend uh monday night at the comfort inn near um the new orleans airport and it was very medium place to me because it was like well you have a place to stay uh but we're not like you know we're gonna give you a voucher but it doesn't cover the whole amount and uh you know we're gonna get you there but it's in this like 
rickety van. And then it's like, you're going to get there and your room is on the first floor. Oh, and no. Kate's like, well, at least we're near the exit. <laughs> so, like, well, we have to leave. And then it's like, your flight's tomorrow morning at 7.10. So you have to be up at 4.30. And, like... <laughs> You know, Ooh, and it was like, did you go to work that day? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. And then, uh, you know, the last thing was like, oh, you could get get a bite to eat, except this place doesn't have a restaurant. Oh, so no. The closest food is a Wendy's. And I was like, I like Wendy's. But it was across a four lane highway. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like. Were you playing Frogger, just like we, running across? Basically, I mean, there was a light. There was a light. Um, and when we were like getting ourselves together to go outside and get Wendy's, because we were both really hungry, we hadn't really eaten that day, Kate just looked at me and she was like, well, it was nice knowing you. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So, you know, it was like, there's nothing around. Like, there's this comfort in, and then there's just industrial lots everywhere. And then we ran across the street to the Wendy's. Uh, and then it's like, you get back, and the only thing to do is you know watch cable so like you know jurassic park on cable but you know a lot of commercials so it's just very very medium place that's my i love place. being in a hotel room by myself and just watching the tv because um i am not being besieged by my children yes i mean we've already established that you would happily take a featureless room windowless yes. room full of new yorkers full of new yorkers in order to uh so yeah, oh, yeah, so that was my, so I think like when I die, if this system exists and if I have done an equal amount of good and bad things in my life and they can't figure out where to put me, I will end up back at the Comfort Inn in Louisiana near the airport and just- This seems more depressing know. to me than Mindy's medium place because she had like a kind of a nice garden, you know, like a nice yeah. outside. Yeah, Which you true. wouldn't have. You would kind of be trapped in this I'd be in a, grim I'd be in a room. interior. But I would have, you know, like movies on cable. So, you know, not a total- Yeah, it's not Cannonball Run 2 or the making of Cannonball Run 2. Very medium. Very medium. So that was basically my trip- I'm 30 now. It feels great. When we were running across the street to the Wendy's, Kate was like, so how is 30 treating you? And I was like, it's great. So <laughs> happy to be back onto the pod. You want to talk about Mindy St. Clair after we've talked about my medium place for so long? <clears throat> yes, indeed. So the episode starts with Eleanor finally remembering the minutes leading up to her death and it's scored with uh frank sinatra's my way which must have been like most of their music budget for the (laughs) season uh but it's pretty perfect so eleanor is kind of shambling through the aisles as you say it's her birthday right or it's going to be her birthday it is her birthday it's going to yeah it's her birthday and she's turning 36 is that right something like that remember she she said she was born in 82 Mm mm-hmm so maybe she's turning like 35, whatever. Okay. So she is older than me because yeah. when you tweeted about that, I was like, is she yeah. 30 on the... No, no. no she's, she's, a, she's a few years older. So she's just grabbing all kinds of junk and lightly expired shrimp and uh, lonely Come girl to New margarita. Orleans. All the shrimp is fresh. It's great. Anyway, continue. <clears throat> they're just bugs. They're just bugs that live in the ocean. Well, they're very delicious bugs. Anything is delicious if you fry it. That could also be my motto. <clears throat> anyway, 
uh, Lonely Girl Margarita Mix, just all, and she kind of picks up a Celebrity Baby Plastic Surgery Disaster magazine. You know, she's just being a real uh, bench, as we say. Mm-hmm. She goes through the 10 items or less line with her gigantic cart full of stuff, and the cashier is, like, giving her the stink eye, and she does not notice or care. You you notice I did not that Tahani is on the cover of International Sophisticate at the checkout. Yes, which is, she says in an earlier episode that International Sophisticate gave one of her parties four Gwyneths. <laughs> so... On her way out, she gets stopped by the environmental activist who asks her this question that we hear recur a couple times through the the episode. You know, why are you like this? And she just kind of, she's super angry when he asks her that. And she's like, why am I like this? Why am I like this? And then she like pretty much immediately gets hit by the row of shopping carts. And yeah. she wakes up. She was, uh, she's on the train to the medium place and she's finally she's sort of dreaming about her last moments sort of finally remembering them so the other people on the train with her are janet and jason janet's powers aren't working so they don't have any sort of supernatural help in this particular uh scenario in michael's office sean is presiding over eleanor's case so so Sean is playing a character here who we kind of established last episode or the episode before is kind of like aping Jen. Mm-hmm. He's pretending to be the impartial judge of all things, blah, blah, blah. We know he's not. That's how he's selling himself. He also sews himself up into this weird cocoon every time someone is emotional around him, which, uh, you know, upon rewatching, I felt was kind of a lame joke. That, you know, I think you had said last time, it has some interesting payoff when the characters are forced to speak in a very flat tone. But overall, to me, it's like this big swing for like this like little grounder to first base. It's like a really weird, it's a really weird comedy bit. Yeah. So Bad Janet, Sean summons Bad Janet. She says the case against Eleanor is that she sucks. And Mm -hmm. then Bad Janet farts. And Sean says he's ruled the fart inadmissible as evidence, which Mark Evan Jackson is pretty great. Yeah. He delivers that line pretty amazing. Eleanor, Janet, and Jason disembark at the medium place and they start walking. <clears throat> and they find she she basically just it looks like Kansas to me. It's just sort of this big flat plane, sort of an American plane kind of looking place. And she's got this sort of single family home in the middle of nowhere and she's outside gardening completely naked and she sees them and she screams and she sounds terrified (laughs) she's just the first people she's seen in 30 years yeah and janet is like happily waving to her while jason and eleanor are like yelping and covering their eyes (laughs) janet's like i'm janet it's very cute (laughs) yeah we go inside Mindy's house where we see the orientation video made by... What was the the, the angel's name? I think it was B. B. Okay. So this is not a character we have seen before or since. But the bad place representative is Trevor. My boyfriend. Pretty great. So they explained that they were fighting over her and she did good things, she did bad things. But ultimately they couldn't decide what to do about her. So they have put her into eternal mediocrity where Mindy 
provided a list of things she wanted and the good place kind of provided them, but the bad place kind of ruined them. It's very like fairy tale, you know, like, um, you know, the bad fairy in in, uh, Sleeping Beauty when the bad fairy comes in and says, oh, you're going to prick your finger and die. And then the good fairy's like, oh, you're just going to fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah, it is a little like that. Yeah. Mindy comes back out. She's now wearing an 80s power suit, which poor woman, if that's all she has to wear. She greets the guests. Eleanor really likes her, although I suspect that Eleanor feels sort of a kinship towards her as well, because Eleanor thinks of herself as a medium person at this juncture, right? Mm -hmm. So um, she probably sees Mindy as someone who is is a kindred spirit. Janet and Jason, so Mindy starts telling her story and then Janet and Jason are like, oh, we're going to go try to have sex because this is our honeymoon and they kind of wander off. It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Mindy tells Eleanor her life story that she was a coke addicted, uh, big shot lawyer in the 80s who, you know, was completely selfish. But then she had this incredible epiphany about uh, a charity that would save kids all over the world. And she went to the bank and she took out her life savings. She had this really elaborate plan all drawn up. And then as she was like on her way to implement it, she fell onto the subway tracks and got electrocuted by the third rail. Not a fun way to go. Not a way I would want to go. Oh my God. Oh. And let's be honest, you're also inconveniencing 7 million people. You are. (laughs) Also, it's the subway tracks in the 80s. So I can even just imagine. They're bad now. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, it's like Pizza Rat's older brother. (laughs) So her sister started the charity for her. It's like the Mindy St. Clair Rescue Alliance, and it's like the largest relief charity in the world, so it does all this good. And the good place and the bad place kind of couldn't decide whether she got credit for this. So I think it's implied that had she gotten full credit or whatever, that she would have made it to the good place, even though she kind of was a terrible person her entire life. Yeah. Thus sort of underscoring why this point system is kind of bogus. I was going to say, yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. But like, whoa, whoa, boga. Mindy is problematic and is a really great example of why (laughs) the saber metrics for heaven and hell are pretty bad. (laughs) I also love that you used whoa, boga, because that is from my favorite Angry Beavers. I love that show. We should do an Angry Beavers podcast. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, I don't have enough to do. In the, you know, in the between times. Once we're anyway, done with cheers. Anyway. Okay. So Eleanor admits to Mindy that she was going to take the train to the bad place before she learned about the medium place. And Mindy is comes down on her very hard and says, you know, you got to look out for number one. And, and really is the opposite of cheaty, I guess, is the best way to put it. <laughs> so we see... A flashback of Eleanor uh, on her 29th birthday. Maybe it's actually her 31st birthday since she was always lying about her age. (laughs) Her co-workers, including one woman who we see in other flashbacks and other episodes, have bought her a cake and they've got hats and she's just sitting there eating her own cake. And she's like, no, I don't, you know, I don't want to become part of this birthday round robin because then, you know, then we'll owe each other and I don't want that. And... One of them says, you know, why is she like that? And this is, again, this is the 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 animating question of the episode. Like, why is Eleanor like this? Which we finally get an answer to this episode. In Michael's office, Sean is summarizing the plot of the season so far and asks to hear arguments for why Eleanor should stay in the good place. 
So uh, Vicky, Eleanor, and Tahani, and Chidi, and Michael, uh, they all talk in a deadpan like this. Michael is like, I was blown away by her capacity for change. Sorry, <laughs> I'm getting choked up. <laughs> and so Sean tells them all that Eleanor did not go to the bad place on the train. And they all are like, what? And Sean zips himself back into his cocoon. Yeah. At Eleanor's house, Sean brings up a big screen with all of the like big major point earners in Eleanor's life. And they're all bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's all her memories. Yeah. Um, You know, hassling mall Santas and... A um, brief uh, Instagram flirtation with Kid Rock. Yeah, and Vicky Eleanor's like, oh no, (laughs) not Kid Rock. At Mindy St. Clair's house, where we flash to, uh, Eleanor is like putting up pictures of her pals, including a picture of Chidi, which is very cute. And she starts reading what we owe to each other. And Mindy's like, where'd you get that? You know, that's not one of my books. I only have the water-stained Anne Rice vampire novels. And Eleanor says, oh, you know, um, my friend gave this to me. And, you know, it's it's about ethics or whatever. And Mindy's like, forget about all that. If you want to survive, you got to forget about all that. And so Eleanor's like, okay, instead I will watch Cannonball Run 2. Which, you know, you point out here in the notes that that becomes a plot point in season two when that tape actually becomes the tape of her and Chidi in bed together. Mm -hmm. Janet and Jason come back in the house. They have tried to have sex unsuccessfully for hours and they start sort of diagramming it, but like with stick figures, so it's not as creepy. (laughs) She's like, what if you're here and I do this? It's like a spider monkey. What? (laughs) So we see Sean now kind of going through a memory of Eleanor's where she crash a girl's quinceanera and the girl's speaking in spanish and eleanor like busts on the stage like it's it's your bar mitzvah's over <laughs> like oh boy <laughs> and so all, you know all of her friends are just like horrified by this but chidi you know michael's like it's getting away from us so chidi's like hey you know i made the decision to help eleanor and i'm, and I'm glad i did and tahani says you know i too helped eleanor <laughs> which seems like a nice thing but it actually comes back to bite them in about five minutes so Sean's like, okay, I, I'm going to think about this. I'll reach ruling. Okay, I've reached a ruling. And Eleanor is a bad person. She deserves to be in the bad place. And the, the good things she did in the afterlife don't make up for a lifetime of bad stuff. And he's like, well, Jason, I haven't seen any evidence. And he looks at his pet. He's like, oh, he's from Florida. Yeah, he's going to the bad place. I love that. <laughs> I and, that <laughs> yeah. So Michael's like, how are you going to enforce this ruling? And Sean's like, watch me. So he summons bad janet tells her to engage walkie-talkie mode which does that mean every janet in existence (laughs) suddenly that's a good question because there's no like it's not like walkie-talkie to this particular janet whatever um all of a sudden bad janet where sean is and good janet where eleanor is they kind of stand up very straight and still and open their mouths real wide and Sean speaks into Bad Janet's mouth and says um, you have four hours you and Jason and Eleanor you have four hours to come back to your neighborhood or I will send Chidi and Tahani to the bad place instead of you and Jason is like hooray we're off the hook and Eleanor's like no we have to go back but Mindy is very against them going back and says 
you know, either you go back and you never see your friends again, or you don't go back and you never see your friends again. So what's the difference? And Eleanor's like, yeah, there's a big difference. But yeah, Mindy... and also Mindy's point is also like, if you go back, you get tortured and you never see your friends again. And if you stay here, then you're safe and you also never see your friends again. And her, I think it was more like, well, if if they're being tortured, it's their problem. It's not your problem. And I think that's what gets Eleanor to to kind of say, all right, we got to go. <laughs> yeah, like we're leaving right now. Michael brings Tahani and Chidi Froyo for their last meal, which is just sad. And Tahani's like, oh, you know, soon I'll be in the bad place where I'll have to carry a knockoff handbag and drink tap water. And Chidi's like, that's what you think hell is? <laughs> Poor Chidi has probably imagined hell in great detail from yeah, his time his line as a delivery professor. Awesome. Yes. Janet won't start the train back to the good place until Jason says it's okay. But Jason says, you know, I'm scared to go back. I want to pretend that we never heard the message. And Eleanor's like, look, I, I live my whole life as a bad person. And it took dying and being around good people to change me. And I, I don't want to be the way that I used to be. And Jason asks her, you know, and again, this is the question that keeps popping up. Like, why were you like that? And she's like, let me tell you about Doug and Donna Shellstrop. And we see... She's turning, is she four, turning 14 in this or, or 15 in this Pro- flashback? Probably 15 or maybe 16. I think 16 she is young. She looks so young. Yeah, I think, well, so she says in an earlier episode that she had to get a, a job. So she had to make herself look older when she was 14 in order to get a job. But in this flashback, she already alludes to having two jobs because her That's parents right. are spending all of her money. So right. I think 16 is the age at which you can become legally emancipated. It's funny because in another flashback where she's 17 or 18, Kristen Bell plays Eleanor at 17 yeah. or 18, but this is a completely different actress. Yeah. Um, but I think it had to be a different actress to kind of hit home the poignancy of such a young kid being forced to do this. So her dad is just sitting on the couch watching TV and kind of, only half engages. She lies to her mom and tells her that she got free WrestleMania tickets. So her mother will come over to her dad's place. And she says, look, it's my birthday and you both forgot. So here's all I want. I want for you to sign these emancipation papers. And so I I just looked it up. You must be at least 16 and under 18 to seek emancipation in Arizona. So she's probably, this is probably probably her 16th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And they do sign it, and they are jackasses throughout the entire thing. And uh, then afterwards, we see her eating a slice of birthday cake in her own little apartment all by herself with nothing in the apartment except herself and her cake. And Jason is like, wow, your parents sucked. And she's like, you know, they did. And I've been using them as an excuse for my behavior for my whole life. And I'm done with that. And Jason's like, okay, Janet, start the train. And they go back to the good place. The timer runs out. They they rush in, you know, a minute later. And then it becomes like, well, it doesn't matter about the cutoff point. And Sean's like, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've set a deadline. You didn't meet it. And... Sean's like, look, you've all done bad things since you arrived because he he thinks that Tahani and he claims that Tahani and Chidi helping Eleanor and Jason 
are also makes them bad people or whatever. I mean, there's no logic to this at all, right? But there doesn't have to be because it's all imaginary. Right. What we what we don't know when we are first watching it is that this is all bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he says, you know, the bad place is owed two people. Here's 30 minutes on the clock. Figure out which two of you are going to go. And that sets up the last uh, episode of the season, which is next week, which I'm excited for because it's such a good episode. Yeah. And then, yeah, so you had the same thing that I did. So he says this is case number three. Now, it's impossible to know if this is, like, real. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) we have no idea. But it's intriguing if it's more intriguing than if he said it was case number like nine four seven three zero, right? The fact that they specifically said this is case number three, and we know Mindy was probably case number two. Like, who is case number one? And that are we was gonna... my question. Yeah, who's that's, case no, I'm, number I'm looking one? at your discussion. Yeah, who who's number one? And are we going to meet this person? It feels like we're being set up to meet this person at some point. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Who do you think it is? I have no idea. None whatsoever. I mean, it's just like, unless it's some sort of crazy reversal about some a character that we know, you know, started off as a human and ended up having their memory wiped and they now they work as a demon. But that doesn't seem like the kind of thing this show's going to go for. I don't know. I I wonder if it's it's not Doug Forsett. Because you are so obsessed with Doug Forsett. I really want to meet him. I want us to meet him. I, I think just... he's still alive. Well, that doesn't <laughs> die, mean we can't. Doug Forsett, but that die. Doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we can't meet him because if they actually put them back on Earth in season three, maybe they can go find him. Maybe, yes, that could be a thing. I'm not saying it couldn't. So, I guess my question about Mindy is: Is this just who she is, or has something in her kind of soured in 30 years alone? I think it's who she is. But I also think that she has probably lost whatever kind of compassion she may have had at one point. Doesn't sound like she had a lot. But, you know, she did have a family. She says that. She says, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was great to my family. It's unclear whether or not she had kids or whether she was talking God, about like, her sister not. and stuff. If she was coked up all the time, let's hope not. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's kind of who she is, right? Because, you know, she like we talk all the time on this show about how like Eleanor and all these other characters are changing because they're around other people. So they're around, you know, Eleanor has changed for the better because she's been around Chidi and she's been around Tahani and Vicky Eleanor when she thinks Vicky Eleanor is like a real good person and stuff. You know, Mindy has been by herself for 30 years. So she's had really no outside influences on her psyche or her soul or anything like that. So I think she kind of came in like this. And then if you're by yourself and you only ever have to look out for yourself, like it's not, it doesn't, it's not a wonder to me why she would say, just stay here and don't worry about your friends because it doesn't sound like she was too concerned about other people when she was on earth. And in the last 30 years, she hasn't even spoken to another person. So, and she's also been, you know, she has the orientation video. She knows she's in the medium place. She knows there's a bad place. She knows that means that people get tortured and she doesn't really have much, many feelings about that. She's just like, well, that's those people's problems. It's not my problem. You know, Mm. like you'd, I think if you had a better person in the medium place, it would almost be like somebody who 
uses the medium place to like hide people out who are trying to escape the bad place or something like that. But she doesn't do that. She, you know, granted, we don't know if there's a way to actually do that. I think Janet has to call the train, right? And she doesn't yeah. have a Janet. Yeah. That's right. She do- she also doesn't have a Janet. So it's not like she can conjure anything she wants or know. Yeah. You know, in some ways, what's going on. you know, I, I get that it's supposed to be a medium place and there's a lot of funny lines about things being medium, but wow, it really seems like hell to me to be completely alone for all eternity is stuck with the same sort of same objects, the same books, the same clothes, the same house, what have you. And to never have any interaction with any other being, it just seems so cruel. And I kind of think that maybe Mindy, you know, maybe she was kind of more of an Eleanor in her life, but the, but 30 years of solitary confinement have really embittered her. And maybe in ways she doesn't even truly realize that, you know, the milk of human kindness is, is, is a substance that I think drains out of people pretty quickly when they aren't, when they don't have to interact with other people. I mean, there's a reason that prison uses solitary confinement as its worst sort of punishment. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's very damaging to the human soul. And even though Mindy is sort of a train wreck of a person. I mean, you can't help but feel sorry for her because arguably she's no more of a train wreck of a person than Eleanor is, right? But if it had happened to be her and she was thrown together with a few other people who were kind of on her level, like maybe she could have also improved herself. Maybe she would have grown as a person in a way that she just couldn't in the last 30 years. Well, and that's, again, going back to kind of, like, how bogus the system is and the point Oh, man, are. is it bogus. Like, I can't believe she made it to the medium place and Chidi has got sent to the bad place. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that she's, like, kind of a... You know, she's not a great person while she's alive. Granted, she did illegal things in terms of drugs, but she didn't seem like... she. She didn't say that she was a violent person. She just was like, you know, Gordon Gecko-ish, and then also had a coke habit. And then she had this idea for a charity, and so that evens out was like, I would argue, like, you know, I've worked in nonprofits for like eight years. I would argue starting a charity might, you know, might be more work and, and more good place points than you know, just being a hotshot corporate lawyer that's kind of like a shark in a suit, you know, I I think that the scales tip in a different way, maybe from my vantage point. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, so she's kind of a dirtbag person, but she's not evil. And yet they, they couldn't decide where she should go. And you're right. Like, you have somebody like Tahani, who in her life on earth actually did raise billions of dollars for charity. Yeah, what a what a kick in the teeth for Tahani. Right. <laughs> that you have somebody who thinks about starting a charity. She gets to go, you know, she while she's coked up. While she's coked up. Her yeah. coked up idea for a charity because it becomes the largest most successful relief charity in the world gets her to the medium place. But Tahani actually raising billions with a B, billions of dollars for all kinds of charities. 
still gets into the bad place because, quote, her motivation was corrupt. Like, come on. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's, again, where, like, some of this logic starts to fall apart. But I also think that that's sort of the point. Oh, I agree. It, it's the point. Yeah. Is that, you know, I think they had to think of somebody who would be in the medium place who wouldn't, who would have a, who would still have a personality. Like, you you would think of somebody in the medium place as like maybe very blah the way that the medium place is very blah but they you know you need to spend some time with her and you need to like her but not find her grating but then also ultimately see that she's like too flawed of a person so i thought that what's her name mary beth monroe the actress oh i don't know i thought she did a fabulous job i i, I really, totally agree i yeah. really like uh, mindy st Clair. You know, but I think she's, it's a tough, like, needle to thread because you're supposed to feel sorry for her, but also kind of, you know, not like her and maybe understand why, <laughs> you know, she didn't quite make it. But this is an interesting thing to rewatch, to your point. This is an interesting thing to rewatch knowing what we know now, which is all of our favorite characters, all of the people that we know and love at this point are in the bad place, which at this point in the season, we don't know. Right. It's the major revelation of the season finale. Right. So I think maybe, but your point earlier was, I can't believe this woman got into the medium place and Chidi got sent to the bad place. My husband. Yes. Or Tahani got sent to the bad place. We think- yeah, Tahani is the most obvious parallel, and it's so unfair. Yeah. I mean, Tahani was far from a perfect person. She's a braggart. She is vainglorious. But ultimately, she did a lot of good, and I don't think she really did anybody any real harm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she went through the world, and she probably annoyed a lot of people, but she didn't she was not the bane of anyone's existence. And she, you know, the way that this, that Mindy St. Clair, you know, she said she was crappy to her family. You know, let's just, let's assume it's her birth family. You know, some, her poor, her mother, her father, her sister, you know, treating them like dirt as opposed to, now Tahani didn't have a good relationship with her family, but that was a hundred percent not her fault. Yeah. 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 And Tahani's going through the world just, you know, arguably doing a lot of good. I mean, not just the charity work, but also she, you know, she, she alleges to have been some artist's muse. Boz Lerman. <laughs> yeah, you know, other other things. Just, just generally, I think, putting good stuff into the world. And she, you know, she just loses out to this woman who had this really good idea. Oh, man, this one hurts. I mean, yeah. and it, it sort of left me thinking, like, yeah, this whole sabermetrics uh, afterlife thing is such nonsense because it doesn't take very much stretching of the imagination to imagine someone, let's say a guy who is some sort of wildly successful, very wealthy person who, you know, gives away tons of money, does all kinds of really amazing charitable stuff, and also, like, is a rapist. You know what I mean? Like... It doesn't take very much imagination to kind of start like, okay, so Mindy had a, f- a lot of bad stuff on this one side of the scale, but then a lot of good stuff on the other. Actually, one big good thing on the other side of the scale, yeah. like 
What if there were a lot of big good things on the other side of the scale? What could you get away with in the bad category? Could you get away with all kinds of horrible things that you would imagine would keep you out of the good place? And yet, if we're just going on this cold, hard adding up of points, if someone, you know, frees a people and raises consciousness of a nation, whatever the big point getters are, and also, you know... Let's not, I'm not going to delve into the horrible things a person can do, but, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. They still get to go to the good place, I guess. Yeah. I mean, or it's, it becomes a question of like, do the ends justify the means for certain things? Like if you have somebody who gives away lots and lots of money, but turns out is embezzling that money in order to give it away. That's an episode of Law and Order. Everything in a se- is an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> Every single thing. But like, I think about, you know, um, <sighs> bankers, right? She says she's a hotshot lawyer in the 80s. Let's think about, you know, there are people on Wall Street. There are, you know, firms on Wall Street that have corporate social responsibility arms and do lots of, you know, put lots of money into good projects. But then they are also, you know, taking out predatory loans or they are you know you have ceos that are embezzling millions of dollars or billions of dollars and so does the good outweigh the bad or like where does that scale tip sort of i'm trying to i'm i'm only saying this to get us away from like the non-violent things so that we don't upset you mean get us away from the violent things yes that's what i meant yeah yeah but yeah so it is this very it's a it's an imperfect it's it's a far from perfect system uh and it makes you really long for the egyptian afterlife you know where they 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 like cut out your heart and they wait it yeah and if you were lighter than a feather you got to go and that kind of felt like that felt a little more organic to me (laughs) (laughs) it's not points it's just like how you feel that day no it's not a point system it's just more of a general like assessment of your entire character right well, you can't. A- well, this is the whole thing. Like, you cannot separate a person into all the component things they did in a life and then decide that that is the portrait of who they are. It's just so not that. Well, and I think the the to that point, the bigger sort of point of this episode is that like. You know, people are in some ways a product of their circumstances. We talk about this all the time when it comes to Jason or Tahani or Eleanor in this case. I mean, that was the big thing about Eleanor in this episode is everybody keeps saying, why are you like this? And she gets really upset with, you know, the guy who uh, we later, you know, meet in the episode, the last episode of season two, you know, meet him in, in greater detail, I guess. But the environmental activist, you know, she gets really angry with him. And we understand now that she's getting angry because she's defensive. And she uses her parents. She says to Jason, you know, I use my parents' crappy behavior as a as justification for my own crappy behavior. But to your point, you know, if you look at somebody like Mindy, she's got arguably like a good job, a comfortable existence and... She has a sister who at least loved her enough to carry on her legacy or that she wanted to be her legacy after she died. So it's not like her family had disowned her. So I would even argue that 
it sounds like Mindy, you know, is kind of a product of her circumstance, but her circumstances were better. So she she could have made better decisions and she just chose not to. Whereas, Ele- you know, if you look at Eleanor... Yeah, and, and what you- if Mindy had been the exact same person with the exact same behavior and the exact same plans, but she didn't have a life savings to take out of the bank? You know what I mean? If yeah, she had that's just also dro- true. She just drawn up this amazing plan and she was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to fund this, but I guess... um have to talk to some people and then she gets electrocuted i feel like the show is telling us that she would have gone to the bad place because you know her sister couldn't have actually done the thing without the money so again it comes down to comes down to money again which we kind of see in tahani versus the rest of them how yeah and and we see that in at the end of season two when the environmental activist oh, yes, yes, yes. comes mm-hmm. to her, you know, comes to Eleanor's house and says, where have you been? And she does this whole rant about how, like, you know, I've been trying to be good for six months and all I have is an overdrawn bank account and, like, overdue bills and I can't pay my rent and, you know, being good is for suckers. And she's being, she's being chased after by, you know, someone whose car she dinged. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, being good is for suckers because I'm not getting rewarded for it. So because Mindy St. Clair was, you know, a hotshot corporate lawyer and, you know, presumably taking on sort of, you know, cases for other crooked big shots, you know, she could... It doesn't have to be crooked. It's just not, you know, it's not necessarily an altruistic thing. Sure. Right. So she's not being altruistic, but so she has the money to then, when she does have her coked up epiphany, have, she has the money to, you know, try and make it happen. Whereas, you know, if you were somebody like Eleanor who was trying to do, you know, good and stumbling a little bit, but had this idea and couldn't fund it. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's true. Hashtag occupied the good place. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it comes down to money and means, and it's almost like this is kind of an allegory for, you know, life on earth. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know either. Social commentary is not something that belongs on television. (laughs) So, yeah. Can we just talk for a minute? I know uh, this is a little, I think it's a little tedious for the listeners and I apologize. But like, what, what was this plan? Oh, yeah. I have no idea. (laughs) What was this plan? Why did they summon Sean? Why did he pretend to be a judge? What were they going to do in in the next... If, if Eleanor hadn't realized... I mean, like, I know I'm jumping a little bit, but, like, if Eleanor hadn't realized that it's the the actually the bad place... So, like, just the way that things are sitting at the end of this episode, you've got 30 minutes to be able to go to the good place. Like, uh, how was that supposed to end up? Yeah, and because they are so... Like, they so don't want to give anything away... You don't see Michael panicking or scrambling, really, or, like, trying to pull Sean aside. Like, we're not in on the gambit. So we, I think it's hard because at some point you want to believe that, like, things were planned this way. But they were clearly not planned this way at all. And we see through the beginning of season two that Michael has a real problem with, like, actually executing the way that he has his, you know, wants his vision to be executed. What is his plan? I have no idea. I have no idea what the plan is. I don't know if Sean is sort of forking with Michael uh, in order to kind of get him to come clean. I don't know if he really 
wants to torture these people and is trying to do this, you know, in some roundabout way. But you're right. Like, why give them... If you have all eternity to torture these people, why give them 30 minutes to make a decision? Because what's going to happen at the end of that 30 minutes? Like, well, I'm sure we'll what get into this. What is going to happen? <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into this in greater detail next week. But, like, what is going to happen at the end of that 30 minutes if Eleanor doesn't say, wait a minute, this is the bad place all along and what happens if yeah i mean just like there was no way for this to work even if two of them had volunteered to go and they had actually gotten sent to the bad place it the experiment would cease to work because it requires all four of them to kind of operate you know they're all supposed to kind of be torturing each other in this very delicate balance and you can't just take two of them out of the equation and expect the other two to continue to be tortured in the same way i mean maybe they were counting on it getting you know so bad that you know maybe they couldn't decide and maybe you know there would be like maybe they were just sort of michael and sean were just sort of counting on them turning on each other or or doing work because i think that's what ends up happening and you know we are jumping ahead but what ends up happening is like there is some squabbling but at the end of the day like people step up for one another and i don't think sean really anticipated that because at this point he doesn't believe that souls are really changeable so he anticipates everybody acting the way that he thinks they were they are supposed to act so you know maybe he thinks people are going to throw each other under the bus or, you know, but again, how long can that really last? Yeah, about know. an hour, maybe. I mean, yeah, before somebody says, I'm sick of this and somebody else make a decision. I don't know. I mean, maybe Sean ultimately was going to be like, oh, whoever volunteered, well, the two of you have shown that you are selfless and therefore you can stay here. And the other two of you, I'm giving you a second chance and like, don't screw up now. And then he kind of leaves. But like, it's so obvious that Ma- Michael and Sean are, like, forcing to this to some sort of climax, which I realize that's also, like, it's the pacing of the show that makes it feel like that. I get it. But this whole, oh, this is this big thing, and we're pleading for Eleanor's life, life, so to speak, and um, it's this judge, and everybody's afraid of him, and Trevor has threatened him, and Michael's afraid of him, and, you know, it's it, it's this very, like, everything is up at this fever pitch, and... It feels like a, you know, a major sort of turning point in their existence, their their afterlife. And even if the whole plan was, okay, Sean is going to grant them clemency and whatever, it still would have been like, oh, well, that happened. You, you know, <laughs> and also what happens to Vicky Eleanor, whatever. Yeah. Um. <sighs> I don't know how they were going to recover, like, the day-to-day indignity kind of torture after that occurrence. Like, oh, Chidi's going to accidentally kill Vicky Eleanor's cat, or whatever it is that he claims in the second season is going to be her storyline. <laughs> like, I don't see how you dial back to that after you've dialed up to Sean standing, you know, basically the, you know, the the sword of Damocles over your neck right because you'd think that after it's actually interestingly now that i'm thinking about it very close to what happens at the end of season two where 
you have the this is i mean i know it's not life or death because they're already dead but this is let's say this is like a near-death experience for them right and the near-death experience is they get granted clemency by sean let's just say that happens then you it's it's almost like a mirror of what happened at the end of season two where you have this near-death experience in the parking lot and with eleanor and she turns her life around and then in you know and she wants to be a better person and she's not being a bench anymore and she's really trying and then about a year later she's sort of back to her own her old business right she's she's kind of yeah kind of well well she she feels differently about it but she's slipping back into her old patterns so maybe you know i could imagine that they would all kind of take a step back after this quote near-death experience and say oh we've really you know i value being here and we're gonna be nicer to each other and we're not gonna like you know and maybe people would branch out a little bit more or be you know get more comfortable or oh i you know no more secrets so like now there's more hiding from each other and we're gonna be better and then maybe they were hoping you know sean and michael would hope that in about a year they'd be back to sniping at each other or whatever but you're right i mean it doesn't quite have the same especially since you've already got if you are one of these four humans you've always got kind of this thing hanging over you so when eleanor goes back to her kind of bad old self or at least partially she doesn't know that there's this eternal judgment system kind of measuring her as opposed to these guys would be like well we better not do anything bad because sean could come back at any moment you know i mean if you i guess it's like people who really believe in a super strict god which is not something that I ever have believed in, so I I can't really empathize. But if you really believe that there is a very judgmental God watching you at all moments and judging you with everything you do. Now, a lot of people who believe that also believe that there is sort of um, a get into heaven pass free if you just believe in this God in a particular way and you kind of worship that God. But, but if you imagine believing in sort of a a harsher more old testament kind of god it's kind of like that i guess and then i really do think that you kind of straighten up and fly right because you don't have much of a choice yeah i mean they would they, they are they are they are being presented with this falsehood that sean is basically omniscient mm-hmm the way that jen actually is so they wouldn't even feel like they could kind of sneakily be bad. <laughs> they would feel like they'd have to be on their best behavior at all times. And honestly, that would be kind of a form of torture. I was going to say that Tahani would certainly and be Jason torture especially, for... I think. Yeah. You mean Eleanor and Jason? I actually meant Tahani and Jason. Oh, okay. If Tahani kind of got the sense that she wasn't allowed to <laughs> brag all or bragging anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like, I don't see how this works ever in with any outcome i don't see how this works well i think that's probably the reason why it didn't work (laughs) you know we're just sort of barreling towards this inevitable conclusion that things are gonna go horribly awry right i mean i think it didn't work because narratively that's what they needed to have happen right (laughs) but um how amazing would would it have been if it was like three seasons of them in this neighborhood 
and then oh you God. find out that they've been in the bad place the whole time. <laughs> that would just be like nuts. it's just like a sitcom in the afterlife, and then with like these little hints dropped here and there, and then at the you know end of like season three, that's the twist. Yeah, I mean, what's amazing about The Good Place is how fast a show it is, how everything, yeah. how they just gobble up plot, you know, like a like a Pac-Man gobbling up those little white bullets. Yeah. It's pretty... Oh, I miss it. We need season three. I know. Oh, yeah, someone I know at work just, uh, he on my insistence, he like bought season two on iTunes and he kind of binge watched the whole thing over the last two days and we were talking about it and I was like, I need to get back to my good place. Bring back my show. So because we got an email from Trifton saying that last week we should have said it was the antepenultimate episode, which is true. Mm -hmm. I will say that this is the penultimate episode. Next week is the ultimate episode. In some ways ways it actually is the ultimate episode. It's sort of the episode that made the show famous. It's the show. It's the episode that, you know, got picked out as uh, being a highlight of the season by a lot of critics. Uh, It is the famous we learned what the truth is episode. So we'll have a lot of fun with that one. Yeah. And then, um, and then we will move on to talking about other projects that are sort of tangentially related to the good place. While we, I was going to say while we ease into summer, but at least here it's still winter. Uh, I (laughs) New Orleans, except for one day, New Orleans was like, sunny 70 80 degrees just like i was like happier i was so i was just like oh my gosh it's so nice out and i'm just gonna walk around with like a just a light sweater on in the evenings and i'm gonna eat all the beignets in the world and then i landed in new york and they were like it's currently like 42 degrees and i was like what is happening why why is this happening to me it is mid-april get it together weather i can't do this anymore can't wear my heavy jacket i could not agree more i was just outside for i joined a runner's club and we we just ran a mile and a half outside and i had to wear a polar hat the whole time it's so miserable here and it was so windy it was like blowing us back it was oh it's so bad <sighs> well maybe once we have some ted dancing in our lives again it'll be summer i think that that's a, an accurate thing <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a totally reasonable thing to expect to happen all right should we wrap up i think we should until next time, enjoy watching the making of Cannonball Run 2. Very medium. We'll see you next time, Ding Dongs. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. really work for me are you eating popcorn nope smart food popcorn no (laughs) doritos i'm not eating anything i was just moving something on my couch and it made a crinkly noise and i was hoping you wouldn't notice
I notice all I see on the all hearing ear. 